Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. We are not doing any of the usual pleasantries today because, I mean, if if you have no idea what's happening right now, I have no idea what to tell you. Victor Oladipo has just been traded to the Houston Rockets. Um, before we dive into that, I'm joined by Caitlin Cooper and Tom Lewis for uh, an emergency pod. So starting off with you, Caitlin, where were you uh, on at the exact moment you found out that Victor Oladipo was being traded by the Indiana Pacers for Karis LeVert in a second round pick. Uh, I was somewhat in a stupor from the last two nights of being up watching late <laughs> night Pacific time games. And I was actually conversing with my nephew who I don't get to talk to very much because of all this pandemic stuff. And then had to tell him, well, I gotta go. There's news afoot. Yeah. Well, Tom, where, uh, where were you? Uh, I was at a Kroger gas station, just about ready to get out. And <laughs> the Shams and and uh, Road Streets were clicking through, and I kept looking, and then all of a sudden I saw one that had Indiana. I was like, what in the world? So yeah, that's where I was. I had to fill yeah. up. Yeah, it was uh, definitely kind of vexing. Um, just to get out the full details of the trade, so Vic- Victor Oladipo is being traded to the Houston Rockets. Karis LeVert is coming back to the Pacers along with a second-round pick, I believe, from Brooklyn. Um, and then also uh, James Harden is going to the the Brooklyn Nets uh, to team up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which considering everything that's going on in, in Brooklyn lately, that's even – this is just crazy. Um, the Cavaliers got Jared Allen and Torian Prince um, – and the Rockets ended up with Dante Exum, Victor Oladipo, and Rodion's Kurux. Uh, and I believe four first-round picks and four pick swaps, which is the maximum that you can do uh, in a four-year span. Um, I think I just want to ask right away, uh, what were your reactions to this? Um, what was your kind of first thought when you saw uh, not only Victor – well, we can start with Victor being, being traded and talk about the, the rest later. But, Caitlin, when you saw Victor – in the trade um what were your kind of initial reactions Uh, my initial reaction was that i was shocked that it was happening today i mean i knew that all the james harden stuff was hitting ahead but uh i wasn't really considering that the nets would be roping in a third team i mean over the summer there was connections between you know would the pacers look at at doing a deal with you know either Karis or spencer dinwiddie i was on a nets podcast talking about that so i'm not completely shocked that the those two players are moving in the same deal I just wasn't expecting it this soon into the season but on the other hand I wasn't really expecting Victor to be on this roster for the entire year and into next year either given everything that transpired that he wasn't going to entertain uh contract negotiations that he's moved up on the free agency board now because so many players signed early extensions he's going to be you know hotter pursuit as a free agent than what it looked like during the bubble. And were the Pacers going to be willing to roll the dice on that past the trade deadline? I just didn't really see that as something that was likely, even though it seemed like he was trying to be, you know, the good soldier and, and seemed pleased with the coaching change. It just felt like it was going to be a risk for the Pacers to play that out. 
Yeah, Tom, kind of piggybacking off of that, what were your, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, my, my initial thoughts were, okay, I, I kind of felt this was the case, but, you know, they didn't want to have to try to pay Vic, you know, let alone roll the dice um, in the offseason, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then also, uh, you know, I, I feel like Jay Michael may have, I, I just envisioned him with his feet up, hands behind his head, <laughs> nodding and kind of laughing because, you know, I mean, there was some crazy reports and I know he got a lot of heat for a lot of those reports, but, um, you know, there, were, there weren't any players jumping in to, to shut those down. And um, I, I felt like Vic obviously was making the best of it this year and, and making it work. And it, and, um, he obviously got along well with Bjorkren, but um, also what he did was was quickly upgrade his his trade value. And I think um, you know, knowing that the Pacers, as Caitlin mentioned, it, it it just didn't feel like it was going to be a good fit going forward, and he wasn't going to make it the, to the rest of the year. Um, and and suddenly here we are. We don't have to work, sweat out the trade deadline now. Um, and they made a move and, and brought in uh, a talent that we'll, we'll see if it, it fits, but um, definitely uh, uh, not being left empty-handed at least. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I think my initial reaction when I saw it, I uh, you know, you think of a year or two ago, Victor, for Karis LeVert, and you're kind of scratching your head. But um, And that's not to besmirch Karis LeVert, really good player who we'll talk about in a minute, but you just look at um, – like you mentioned, Tony East brought this up on, on Twitter as well. You know, Victor went from somebody who reportedly had no trade value. That's per Brian Windhorst and Zach, Zach Lowe over the summer, having almost no trade value, like lumped in with Russell Westbrook in terms of where they were at trade value-wise. And the Pacers get back Karis LeVert, who was a good player um, on – also just to people, not a young player. I think he's only two years younger than Vic, so I think he's 27 right now. Um, but he's on a uh, – I think he's 26. Oh, 26? Okay. Well, just yeah. about there. Um, but he yeah. still has three years left on his deal, including this year, uh, at a smaller value. So, Caitlin, right. uh, I would ask that as well, just based on what you've seen from Karis LeVert throughout his career, what are your kind of thoughts on that and, and the return uh, that the Pacers got for Victor? Well, I mean, certainly in the in, in the case that, like, Victor was an expiring contract. There yeah. was all the drama swirling around him. I mean, I thought it was the best move for the Pacers to hold on to him in the early portion of the season, take a measured approach, and try to recoup some of his value. And to get Karis LeVert in return, I think that that was probably the best player available that they were going to get. And as you say, the financial aspect of it, they're now back under the luxury tax taking on LeVert. Um, his deal does inch up a little bit over the – next two seasons by about a million or so both years. But I'm sure that that played somewhat of a role, as we said, that they weren't going to want to pay Victor. But um, the the fit is somewhat interesting. Yes. Given what – like, I'll just start here. Sorry for my long uh, pause there. Um, on Saturday, I was going to write this piece, and I didn't. On Saturday against the Suns, Brogdon and Victor crossed the threshold of having assisted each other more times through the first nine games of the season than they had all of last season. Yeah. And to me, a lot of that fit was working better this season because Bjorkren was using Victor's speed off of the ball. 
um, unleashing that in cuts, using him from going from a, you know, a standstill into a handoff with Sabonis, using him in spot-up opportunities, using him off screens. Like you can point it to their most common actions. And like the one I wrote about with TJ Warren, that's an Iverson caught in an overcut. Like they use that for Victor. Now they use pistol where Victor's predominantly the one off the ball and Brogdon's Brogdon's handling. So that's not really Karis Levert's game. I mean, yeah. he's he's a ball dominant guy, and yeah, he's talented, but he needs to have the right complementary pieces around him for for him to succeed. Um, just on a percentage wise, for people at home to our listeners to know, um, right now when you take together spot ups, cuts, off screens, and handoffs, that's forty five percent. So about half of Victor's usage is coming off of off ball actions. That for Karis LeVert is about 22%. Now, granted, the Nets were using him to run offense, especially now that Kyrie's doing whatever Kyrie's doing and because he was coming off the bench. But that's also been Karis's, you know, best attribute for his career. Like, he needs to have the ball in his hands to be his best self. And he doesn't – like, right now he's shooting 33.3% on catch-and-shoot attempts on 1.8 per game. Victor was at 43% on 3.3 per game. He – takes a lot of his shots uh 31% of his shots in the non-restricted area and he's only converting 41% of those like he doesn't get clear to the rim he really mm. likes to get in front of his guy and decelerate and he's good at that but um I'll stop there with that long stream of consciousness I'll let you guys chip in but I have a couple other thoughts too no, that's a great point. I want to piggyback off that as well. I mean, one of the things that we saw from Vic this year is that he really bought into playing a less ball dominant role. And that raised a little bit with TJ out. But like you're mentioning, so much of what he was doing was being used the way TJ was and uh, attacking off ball in order to get the ball and, and drive that way. Um, Karis is averaging to the highest usage of his career right now, 32 and a half percent, which is monstrous, you know, among combo guards that's in the top 2%. Uh, you look last year as well, 31% usage, which is an, another top 10 finish. Um, like you're mentioning, he, he's just very different. He's a shifty wing. Um, and he, he's a three offensively, but he, I mean, he can guard threes, but not like full on threes. It's re- it's like you look at how Malcolm has been handling so much of the offense now, given that Karis LeVert has never been a good catch and shoot player. Uh, he's been a better off the dribble three-point shooter for I believe the last three years now I know that was super pertinent last year like you mentioned um so it just totally changes the dynamic of the offense in terms of bringing in somebody who commands the ball that much or at least thrives in commanding the ball that much um so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out overall I think that's what's just what makes this so shocking like I agree um I really thought there was a chance that this not even this deal in particular. I mean, this was one that had been uh, made logical sense in a lot of ways, but you looked at um, things that could happen uh, and they all seemed like something that would happen at the trade deadline. Uh, And just seeing how well the team had gelled and was playing so far, I think that's what made it so jarring to initially see it. Um, But overall, yeah, I I think Tom, Tom, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Uh, Well, the thing with Levert, I think he's going to be in a different role here. Um, so it'll be, I, I feel like a lot of the times when he was, when he was, um, you know, in those higher usage situations with Brooklyn, he needed to be, you know, a one or a two option. And he might be more of a three or a four option. Um, when TJ Warren gets back. So I guess that's when we get into the, 
uh, what kind of innovation can Bjorken come up with to make him uh, a productive guy with, with, within that lineup? Um, it is kind of a odd fit with, with Warren, though, um, even thinking defensively. So um, I, I do think, though, that it, it was about, you know, the, the type of guy that they're, they're going to get in for Vic right now. Um, I, I think this gives them something to work with. But um, the style of play is going to be – it just seems like it has to be different in some ways. But it, it also – this is where I'm, I'm just wondering how it'll look because, um, like you say, we've only seen him pretty much playing in that, that one way where he, he gets the ball and he makes something happen. Um, so – Maybe he has a little more dynamic game in him and, and, and uh, can play some different style, and, and we haven't seen that um, unleashed yet. But uh, um, I guess we'll find out here uh, pretty soon. Well, one thing to point Maybe out that is on the road. I mean, uh, he is – he's definitely a better passer than Vic. Um, probably a better ball handler too at this point as well, I would say. Um, definitely not the athlete or kind of driver that he is, but I mean, he's a phenomenal passer. I watched the, I'll probably go back and pull some stuff from, from the series that, that Brooklyn played against Toronto, even though they got swept, it was a relatively close series. Um, and I believe Karras averaged, I mean, somewhere around like seven or eight assists per game on pretty good volume uh, without turning the ball over a ton. But I mean, yeah, he's a really good driver of offense, uh, not in terms of like being a primary guy, but he saw, yeah, nine and a half assists to three, 3.3 turnovers, considering how much he was doing. So pretty spectacular. But Caitlin, I know you had a, you had something else you wanted to add as well. Well, on that with the facilitating, a lot of times what passes he's making, like his entire career, he's played with a role man. I mean, yeah. he's, he's played with Jared Allen. He's played with DeAndre Jordan. So a lot of times when, like I said, when he's coming off the pick, he wants to decelerate. That's his go-to and then get, kind of shift over, get his defender on his back and then make a little wraparound pass or make a pass when the defense commits to him to the person in the dunker spot. The Pacers aren't running a lot of offense with somebody in the dunker spot right now. And certainly Sabonis is a role man, but he's never played with a big like Miles Turner. Yeah. So there will probably be some adjustment period there to playing with somebody who's popping out to three when he really hasn't done a lot of that. I mean, Kuruk spread, spreads the floor, but he isn't a pick and pop guy. So that's another one where it's it'll it will be an adjustment. I mean, he makes kickouts, but it isn't like get into the paint and and shift the pieces and mm -hmm. make a pass. But yeah, I mean, to me, he's he's a variable star. To me, he needs to be the guy on a team. I mean, yeah. his numbers when he was on the floor last year with Kyrie were Terrible. not very good. And some of that, I think you can blame on the injury, some of his finishing. I think you can blame on the injury with how high of a share he's taking in the non-restricted area rather than the restricted area. But, I mean, I think that what we've seen from Brooklyn is he's a guy who needs to have the ball in his hands. But, you know, Bjorkren has shown that he has a lot of good X's and O's up his sleeve. And I'm sure we'll see some more Toronto sets surface here that will somehow fit Karis LeVert. <laughs> Most definitely. Well, uh, uh Another way he's going to really fit in well is um, he can join the uh, group of Pacers with a really bad foot injury history. <laughs> Tom, I was hoping that we could just pretend that never happened. <laughs> I was thinking okay, maybe he so. can just leave all of his injuries behind in Long Island, but you know you had to bring it up. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I hate that, but that honestly, that was really the only 
you know, kind of media, but it's kind of the same thing when you get broad and you're like, okay, can you stay healthy? Um, it seems like uh, kind of a similar situation here, but hey, everybody's healthy right now. So Well, yeah, two forward. more interesting things off that. Um, you look at him, first of all, I always love a, an opportunity to talk about Thad. Thad just keeps on giving back to the Pacers. Uh, you know, Karis LeVert was picked, I think <laughs> it was, right. he was picked, was he 21 or 20? I can't remember. He was Thad's pick, yeah. Yes, he was Thad's pick. And uh, yes, the Pacers sent Karis LeVert <laughs> after he was drafted by the Pacers to Brooklyn for Thad. Um, so Thad keeps giving back. Um, but the other thing, Caitlin, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. And obviously it's something we're going to have to dive into film wise, but, um, I mean, this fundamentally changes how the Pacers are going to play defense. Right. Um, I think we, we've already seen them struggle a little bit with small guards. Um, and you take away Vic and bring in Karras and it's not like Karras is a bad defender, but I wouldn't really put him too much farther above being like a neutral to sometimes, you know, slightly above average defender. He's obviously got length, but he, he doesn't really possess the kind of lateral quickness um, that you, you really look at for somebody who's, you know, kind of locking down a point guard or something like that. They're not even locking down, but I just think in terms of how aggressive they've been in terms of uh, just looking the way that they have trapped ball handlers. Uh, do you think that's going to kind of change up how uh, the scheme might look? Well, I mean, yeah, it's not a perfect comparison between he and Oladipo for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Karras is a boomer bust defender, I guess is how I would describe him. Like, he's going to have games where he might get, like, four steals in a game. Like, he has good anticipation skills, but then there might be other nights where he's just losing track of his guy. And, and like I said, it's it's, it's boomer bust. But, like, I'm not going to use Karras Levert as a low man who's going to rotate over and take a charge you know, against the center or, or be using him to tag and be able to go clear up to the top like you would with Victor. I mean, a lot of what the Pacers are doing, I think, defensively with how aggressive they're being in the gaps works because of Victor's closing speed and because of the instincts he has as a defender roaming the entire floor and away from the ball. I mean, I don't think that they're going to regroup their system completely. Like, yeah, they've shown a lot of adjustments game to game. I mean, just like against the Warriors, they're, they, you know, they're trotting out a box in one, mixing in triangle and two. Like, I think that they'll continue switching up schemes. You might see more zone possessions than what we've seen, but like for them to say, you know, we're going to, we're not going to be using the ball pressure anymore and, and not going to be with our same aggressive nail presence and the same rotations. Like, I, that would be, a pretty hard overhaul to make, I would think, midseason when they're not having as much practice time. I mean, most teams around the league aren't having – I mean, Doc Rivers said this the other day about the Sixers. Like, if something's going wrong in the games, we don't really have a lot of opportunity to fix it because we're not going to wear guys out at practice. So I can't see them, like, fundamentally overhauling anything. It would just have to be little tweaks here or there, little coverages, like you said, maybe – Maybe they don't, you know, hedge on side pick and rolls or, you know, to trap or whatever, like those types of adjustments you can make, but I don't think that they're going to switch up their entire scheme when Karras comes over. Yeah. Well, one, another positive Damian Lillard said that he thinks that Karras is going to take off now that he's in Indiana. So that is a, that is something. Well, and the Pacers have a history of that. Like, I mean, they have a history of getting guys in trades and that they come over, they get greater, they have better opportunity. They have a good run with, player development like that's entirely possible yeah I fully agree um did you have anything else you want to add on Karis or, or we can we can move on if not no I'm letting you run the show awesome okay cool I just want to make sure um so yeah I think an, another thing that I really want to hit on before we get out of here um obviously it's it's difficult without kind of really taking time to gather your thoughts on it but how would you kind of 
uh, what is Victor Oladipo's legacy, you know, leaving Indiana? I know that's kind of a broader question, um, but just in terms of his time here, you know, obviously things kind of got murky at the end, but uh, what are your guys kind of thoughts on, on him kind of leaving the franchise now? Or not kind of, I mean, he's definitely leaving the franchise. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit on one of our two questions pods where somebody had asked, you know, how will you remember this era of Pacers basketball? And I remember I said, like, you know, regardless of the drama that was going on at the time with Victor, that I would look back at the 2017-18 season and think, you know, there was hope in a hopeless place there after yeah. the Paul George saga. That was one of the most fun seasons I can remember covering, seeing him ascend to all-star status and just how special of a season that was for him. And I think the other thing that I said at the time was I might question how long it took for the Pacers to make decisions, whether it was, you know, let's go ahead and see what the Turner Sabonis pairing is. Like, let's quit kicking that can down the road. And today what they did was the opposite of that. Like the Victor Oladipo era ends with them being proactive and making a decision. Like Tom said earlier, we're not sweating this out at the trade deadline. They saw an opportunity where a very talented player was available that they could get in exchange for an expiring deal for a player who may not have re-signed with them. Probably wasn't going to, at least not at this price point. And they hopped on it and, and took it instead of letting things, you know, continue to fester into you know march yeah tom what do you think yeah i mean for me i mean as caitlin said i mean he in some ways came in and was a savior um when they needed it when after the paul george fiasco and you know there's a lot of negative um feeling about how things are going to go and obviously the trade was panned and and all that and he and Sabonis come in and um, but but Victor was the was the torchbearer there and and was like come follow me to, we're going into a new era here and obviously his time at IU was was uh, helped speed all that up and and brought so much enthusiasm back um, with the Pacers and it was fantastic and you know it, it almost is just a shame. Now, you know, that he's leaving that he went through that phase that I have personally seen three other stars with the Pacers go through where they rise up to also a level, get that money and then um, kind of forget <laughs> how they got there um, and start, you know, in, in Vic's case, um, you know, getting into so much stuff you know, off the court with music or acting or whatever in fashion and, and, um, you know, and, and obviously was, was ready to move into a bigger limelight somewhere. Um, but injury, you know, also dampened that and, and the, and because of that injury and the all the time away from the team and the city, um, I think that just, Changed the whole dynamic, obviously, um, and you know he he kind of brought it back. It's kind of funny. Uh, I think it was earlier this week, or maybe last week, but in an interview he he mentioned being feathery, and I think Scott Agnes was like, "Wow, we haven't heard you say that in a long time," you know. And um, he was like, "Yeah, my bad. You know, I should say that more often." And and it it he leaves now, and and no one's that surprise that he's leaving and and as we've discussed it's a smart move for the Pacers and um 
you know, it's a combination of the injury issue, but, you know, we don't know all the internal machinations that were going on with he, and obviously there was some strife um, um, heading into this season. Um, and, you know, we have all the old Shams reports and not communicating and all that, all that happened. Um, and, and that kind of puts a, a, a damper on his legacy with the team. Um, but you, you do have to give him credit because he, he had the talent and personality and all that to, to kind of carry this franchise um, for a couple of years when they really needed it. Um, and it was a springboard into this um, current era that we're in right now. And, and now, you know, Bill Quinn's changing the, um, you know, the culture of the team in a different way. And, and they've got, you know, a group of young talent and it, it's an exciting team to watch. Um, so, you know, he played a part in that for sure. So, you know, you, you just hope he stays healthy for the rest of his career and, and, you know, can play as well as he can. And, and if that's the case, it's a good thing he's in the Western Conference. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I, I agree with what both you said in terms of kind of having providing some hope when there really wasn't any. Because I remember, like, you know, I, I, I've mentioned this to both of you. I'm not really a fan anymore. I think I just kind of like basketball as cliche as that sounds but um i remember growing up and paul george is the reason i got into basketball so seeing that that team fall apart the way that they did um and then you know i remember just being heartbroken by bismack biombo in the the 17 playoffs like that was earth shattering bismack biombo turned into patrick matumbo i mean not patrick patrick Matumbo <laughs> coaches for the raptors but um Dikembe he looked literally was Dikembe for a series and just destroyed that that Pacers team and and the Jeff Teague season just seeing all this like the, the Pacers trying to keep it together and, and falls apart um the trade happens and I, of course you know being the, who I was then I didn't understand basketball as well as I thought I did and so I I thought you know this is like the worst trade that the Pacers could possibly do I I was actually really wanted Gary Harris which that is uh turned out well now that they did not trade for Gary Harris but my point is you just look at how everything went and yeah, the 17, 18 season was like one of the coolest things. Um, I remember just looking at the roster the first day and I'd always like loved Thad Young. And I was just like, Thad Young might be the best player on this team. And I was like, that is problematic. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it just ended up being a really cool season. It was one of my favorite that I think I've ever followed. And I think that made me love basketball even more. So, you know, you went from, those teams that were trying to win a title and uh, 13 and 14 teams that really struggled the next couple of years. Um, and then you just had a team that was fun, you know, all the bunch of young guys and some kind of cast off veterans. And um, they just, it, it, again, it sounds cliche, but like, I don't know, just, it's the, it's like the kind of thing that makes you appreciate just watching the game. Like I didn't think that they were ever going to beat LeBron James, but they almost did. And um I don't know. It was just a cool moment. So obviously it's kind of stunk the way that things have gone the last couple of months, but overall, I think you look at Vic and he's a good guy. He was good for the city. Um, things obviously did not go great towards the end. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I hope the best for him. And I, uh, I definitely will cherish his time uh, in Indiana. Yeah. And one other thing, I think it goes back to a little bit, you know, we look at that coaching search 
And the piece that I wrote the day that they hired Bjorken was about, you know, me saying that how different his G League teams looked and how I felt like he would be a guy that if depending upon whatever road the Pacers took, whether that, you know, that was acquiring Gordon Hayward or if they moved Victor midseason or if the roster stayed the same, that he would be able to coach to a lot of different types of rosters. And, you know, I, I was just thinking back while you were talking about all that, like in the last 12 months, I feel like I've written about eight different Pacers teams. Like, you know, yeah. there was Jeremy <laughs> Lamb with the Pacers, then Victor was back and then it was no Sabonis and it was them playing small with miles. And now it's the whole roster is healthy, but wait, no TJ Warren's out. And now they've switched Victor for Karis Levert. So to go through that transition, I'm sure that they're happy that they, you know, hired the coach that they have that isn't afraid in these games to be trying all these different defenses and, and putting players in different roles where they're doing different things from game to game and be able to get this new guy, or I shouldn't say new guy, Karis LeVert into the system and hopefully be able to get even more out of him than what Brooklyn's already seen earlier this season. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, well guys, I think this is a good, unless you guys want to hit on James Harden being moved at all. I think this is a, uh, probably a good place to leave off. I don't, uh, other than diving into some more Nets games, I don't really have too much else to add on Karis. No, I I'm perfectly fine. Not touching on the James awesome. Harden talk. Yeah. After the highlights I saw last night. And, uh, <laughs> highlights? What highlights are you like, talking yeah. about? Um, uh, I'm good. Yeah. Well, to, uh, to, to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Of course, thank you to Tom and Caitlin for taking the time to join for this emergency pod. Um, it's the emergency ones that always are, uh, are fun. And you remember, um, we will definitely be having a lot of stuff coming out the next couple of days. So uh, stay tuned. Um, and yeah, just be ready for some basketball. The last thing I will say though, uh, as far as I'm aware, Moose is uh, very excited too. Um, I don't, but just based on how the, the league protocols are working, I don't know if Karis is, Karis is definitely not going to be available on Thursday. Uh, that hasn't been reported, but I would be shocked if that happens. Um, also not entirely sure that he'll be here for the entire uh, road trip. That's just speculation, but based on uh, all of the new protocols and everything that have come in, that's just kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the Phoenix game is kind of in, in flux right now as well. So yeah. Yeah, we're day to day in the NBA. Yes, it's a it's a very hit or miss league right now. It's like playing Battleship. You have no idea which games are just going to get <laughs> totally blown to smithereens, but we'll see what happens. Again, thank you to everyone for listening. Have a good rest of your day. Um, send positive tweets, and a lot of you have to apologize to Jay Michael for saying that his reporting was bullshit. So um, I will uh, I'll leave you with that. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs>